Amen. Thank you, choir. What a blessing. And I'm so thankful, more importantly, for what we were singing about, not just for the ones who were singing, as we're thankful for Jesus Christ who gave His life on that mercy tree on the cross of Christ, that He died for our sins so that we could have eternal life. That's why we're gathered here today, isn't it? And I'm so glad that you're with us. And uh, we're thankful for all the work the choir put in yesterday and preparing for today and even for more things this year. We're glad to have the Johnson family with us today. If you looked at this guy from the back and said, from the back, he doesn't quite look like Billy. It's because he's not. But uh, he and his wife, Rachel, and their four children are with us this weekend. And they'll be coming to sing for us in just a minute. But I wanted to take just a moment welcome you to our services today. Today is a special day here at Arise Baptist Church. It's what we call our Vision Sunday as we take some time to praise God for what He's done over the last uh, year or so and as we look forward to what God has for us this year and Lord willing in the years to come as God allows. We're glad that you chose to join with us today and we're thankful as we look forward to what God has for us that we have a great God that we serve. And that He's given us a reason to meet, He's given us a reason to rejoice, and He's given us a reason to be able to follow Him and live for Him each day. We're going to take just a moment now. We don't do this every single Sunday, but we've got a wonderful group here, some first-time guests and other people. I'd like to just take a moment, let you stretch your legs, and maybe welcome somebody, shake somebody's hand. We're glad that you're here today. Let's just take a moment and do that, and then the Johnson family is going to sing for us here in just a moment. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for sending Jesus to die in my place. Thank you for this wonderful song that reminded us of what Jesus did. Lord, we have celebrated His coming. Even as we look down the road a few months, there will be a special celebration for His death, His burial, and His resurrection. Lord, I'm thankful that we don't have to wait to celebrate that, that He truly is alive today. He's risen indeed. Lord, I thank You for the opportunity to come and worship You together this morning. My heart is moved being reminded of this great work that Christ did for us on the cross. Lord, I pray that today as we talk about different things and plans and goals and things for the future. Lord, we acknowledge that these are nothing without You. Our plans are useless, Lord, unless You direct. Ultimately, Lord, we don't want it to be our will that's done, but rather Yours. Pray that as we look into Your Word this morning that You would speak to our hearts. Lord, I pray that the person here today that is lost would know the hope that can only be found in Jesus Christ today. Lord, for the one here today who's hurting, pray that they would find the comfort that can only be found in you today. Lord, I pray for the one that may be full of pride or of themselves, that today they would be reminded that they are nothing in and of themselves, that they need you. Speak to us now, Lord. You've already met with us this morning. We pray that you'd continue to work in us and through us, through your word. Bless the rest of our service to come now. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. 
boys and girls are going to be dismissed out right now with Josh, Brother Josh and Sister Anna to Junior Church. If you'd like them to go, they're headed right out this door. Either way, let's rest of us that are in here take our Bibles, turn to the book of Colossians. The book of Colossians. Today is Vision Sunday, a special day that we want to give glory to the Lord in all that's done as we consider what He's done over this past year and as we commit to walk by faith, continue to walk forward in God's grace and for God's glory into this new year. God has done tremendous things in our lives this past year and through our church this past year. We have seen many people come to Christ during this past year and many people begin and continue the process of being discipled and growing in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We saw the beginnings of a new church being started this past year and we're excited to see that go forward even this year in 2020. Our God is blessed even financially through our giving as we've gone well beyond our goals that we set at the beginning of the year. We've seen our work being done on our building, spiritual growth in our people. All in all, God has been good. But this year is this past year has not been without its struggles as well. Physical pain and spiritual struggle. I was on the phone this morning with Joe Palacios asking about Sylvia. She was at the ER yesterday having some complications. For, fortunately, God is in charge. We know that, and He's taking care of things. She's going to be okay, but she's in for a long process here. She broke her ankle just a week ago and talked with Brother Larry this week, and his recovery is not as quick as he wants it to be. And Been in conversations with Katie Spencer as she continues to go through her treatments. We know that There are hard times in life. They sang a song about that. And we can still trust God even when the circumstances don't seem to be good. If we took time this morning, I'm sure each of you could give testimony of good things and not so good things that happened to you in this past year. And yet we know that with God, all things are good. And all things work together for good. As we look forward into 2020, I want our church to take the theme as we study God's Word together, as we continue to live and serve Him by faith of walking worthy. We take, put some banners up on the wall to help remind us of this throughout the year. This morning in Colossians chapter 1, we're going to see this challenge that is given to the church and the challenge that's given to us to walk worthy. As we go through this year and as we hear God's Word together. We're going to focus in four specific areas that we'll see in the message this morning as he describes what a worthy walk looks like. It will result in bearing fruit. It will result in being strengthened by His mind. It will result in growing in the knowledge of God. It will result, it will be evidenced by a life that is full of thanksgiving to God. And we have much that we can learn from this year and be challenged by this year. In the New Testament, many letters were written by the Apostle Paul to churches and individuals to which he had the opportunity to minister. The letter of Colossians to the church at Colossae was written while Paul was locked in a Roman prison. 
He loved this church dearly. And yet he was concerned about some spiritual problems that he saw or, or understood were creeping into the church. And he wanted this church to continue to grow spiritually and to develop into an even greater church than it already was. Here is Paul, a spiritual mentor, if you will, to this church, writing a letter to them. He commends them for some things that they're doing very well. He reprimands them for some problems that they have, but he spends most of the letter encouraging them in areas that they needed to grow. I am thankful for the spiritual mentors that I've had in my life. I'm thankful for the people that have guided and directed me that I can call, that I can ask a question to, and they can point out things in my life. I'm not perfect, as you well know. I have areas that I need to grow in, and we all do. I'm thankful for people who can speak truth into my life, and I hope you have somebody as well that is speaking truth into your life. That's one of the great things about a local church is to have a body of believers that can speak truth into one another's life. And as we looked even last year and talked about the theme of winning one and leading one and following one and taking one, that idea of that we should each have that person in our life that is challenging us and encouraging us to grow spiritually. And we ought to also, as we looked at even last week in 2 Timothy 2, have others that we can point to that we are leading in their spiritual walk as well. We don't want to leave that behind. We want to take what we've learned, take what we've been challenged about and carry that forward into 2020. But as we continue to go, I want us to continue to be challenged to grow in our faith, to grow in our relationship with God. Because I don't know about you, but I tend to, I, I think my spiritual growth tends to happen in growth spurts. Kind of like children, you know, they seem to kind of be just growing a little bit at a time. And then all of a sudden, at least with my kids, you look over and their pants look like this. And you think, what just happened? They, they just grew overnight. Well, they had what we sometimes refer to as a growth spurt. Or one day your little baby, you're holding him in your arms or her in, her in your arms and she just seems so sweet and little. And then the next day it seems she's looking at you and carrying on a conversation. And you, and you think, what happened? She just grew overnight, it seems like. Well, sometimes our spiritual growth seems to happen in the same way. We have these growth spurts where things happen quickly and things move together and, and we can tend to rely on those spurts as just sort of we had this great moment, but then we can tend to sit back and relax. And I'm so thankful for how God has blessed our church of the growth that we've sp seen spiritually and numerically and as people have come together and, and purpose to serve God and, and to support the work of God and to be involved in the work of God. But I think it's very important that our church at this stage, you know, we're turning three here in a few months, kind of like a little baby that's just starting to get on their legs and starting to run a little bit, that we not get comfortable where, we've, where we are, looking back at where we've been and saying, boy, weren't those some good days, some good years, but that we continue to press forward and walk worthy of what God has called us to do. So as we hear in our preaching this year, you're going to hear lots of this theme as we continue to press forward and walk by faith. As, 
If you come back tonight for our 5 o'clock service, I'm going to pass out some uh, information to you and, and goals and vision and a little more granular, nitty-gritty on what I believe this looks like for our church. But I hope that you won't just sit back and say, well, that's nice. That's what pastors, obviously, he's thought a lot about this. He printed up some nice banners. But if nothing else that you take away this morning is that you would commit in your own life to say, God, I, I want to walk worthy of you. You may not be able to be involved in every single thing that the church does. I understand. We, life happens. You, you may have a difficult year this year. But every one of us, no matter our circumstance, no matter where we're from, no matter where we're going, we can all purpose in our own hearts and our own lives to say, God, I want to do your will. Here am I. Send me. I'll do whatever you want me to do. If that's your attitude this morning and your heart this morning, I think that God's Word will be a help to you this morning as we look at Colossians. Let's begin. I just want to read the first three verses. This is Paul's introduction, and then we'll pick up on the slides in verse 3. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, and Timotheus, our brother, to the saints and faithful brethren in Christ, which are at Colossae, grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul, as he writes here, he declares himself as an apostle of Jesus Christ. He's one that had seen Christ and has been sent out by him to go and to make disciples, to go and to plant churches, to go and to spread the gospel around the world. Paul has done this and over those years as he had the opportunity to spread the gospel, he also made some enemies along the way. He had been locked in a Roman prison and now he's close, we think, towards the end of his life. And he's writing a letter as a spiritual mentor to this church to encourage, to challenge, to help them to continue to grow. But notice these are people that he loves very dearly. He calls them saints and faithful brethren. He was not writing specifically to just those disobedient people over there. Rather, he was saying, you are faithful brothers in Christ. Can I just say for a minute this morning, I am thankful for the brothers and sisters in Christ that make up Arise Baptist Church. I'm thankful for each one of you. I'm thankful for your faithfulness to God. I'm thankful for your faithfulness to grow spiritually. I know we're not all on the same exact level. That's okay. Some have just trusted in Christ. Others have taken a few more steps. Some are, have been in the faith for many years. And some who are beginning in the faith can look at those others and say, well, I don't know how they do it. How do they keep it all together? How do they have these answers? Where does it come from? That's why we're going to be focusing this year on walking worthy, that we continue to grow. Because it doesn't matter whether you've been saved for a few days, a few weeks, a few months, a few years, or for 50 years we can all continue to grow in our spiritual walk with the Lord. Paul here in verse 3 begins a description, and it's number one in your notes. I hope you got uh, some notes when you came in. We tried to pass those out. If you didn't and you say, I, I really needed one, slip your hand up. We'll have Jonathan and uh, Brad slide up the aisle, but maybe everybody already got it. All right. Colossians chapter 1, verse 3, let's notice the description of this great church. He says in verses 3 through 8, We give thanks to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you. So what did he have to give thanks for? What was he praying about? He says in verse 4, Since we heard of your faith 
in Christ Jesus and of the love which ye have to all the saints for the hope which is laid up for you in heaven whereof ye heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel. I'd like to pause here for just a moment because Paul has just mentioned three very important things that are descriptors of this church. In fact, these are three things that as you read the letters that Paul wrote in the New Testament, these three things show up over and over again as very important indicators as to the spiritual health of a church. In fact, I would go even as far to say that if a church doesn't have these three things, then the church is not spiritually healthy. And if we are not striving to grow in these three areas, then we couldn't even come close to describing ourselves as a great church. He describes for us these three things. Notice number one, he speaks of their faith in Christ Jesus. Faith is absolutely essential to being a great church. He was thankful for their faith in Christ Jesus. Number two, it says, he says, and of the love which ye have to all the saints. A church that has great faith, but has no love. Can you think of a church like that? If you've studied any in your New Testament, you may remember the church at Corinth. The Bible says that they could have the voices of angels and yet it would be like tinkling brass and sounding cymbals. It's, it's nothing if they didn't have love. So a church that has great faith is absolutely essential, but that church must also have great love for the brethren, great love for others. The third thing that he mentions here about this great church is their hope. He says, Thank for the hope which is laid up for you in heaven. What was their hope in? Was it in their material possessions? No. Was their hope in their political power? Definitely not. The guy writing to them is locked up in prison for preaching the gospel. Was their hope in that everybody could hear and see what they were doing? No, because the church at this point in time was not very visible. There were no big buildings with big steeples on them. There were no light-up signs. There was no website. They didn't have any articles in the newspaper. In fact, to have those things, many of those believers probably would have been imprisoned or even put to death. But this is a church that has great hope in heaven. They are looking forward to the future home that God has for them. They are motivated by this hope to continue to walk in great faith and to have love for others. Faith, hope, and love. Faith looks upward to God. Love looks outward to others. And hope looks forward to the future. They were looking forward to the future with great hope. They were looking out to others in great love and they were looking up to God in great faith. And I would tell you, if we're going to become a great church, if we're going to grow as God would have us do, even as individual believers, our lives need to be marked by faith, love, and hope. You say, well, how do you know if your life is marked by faith, hope, and love? Well, often it's very simple. Look at what makes you upset. 
What makes you upset? What gets you down? What gets you discouraged? If your hope is in heaven and in what Christ has done for you, there's nothing that can ever take that away. Perhaps if you're getting upset by a circumstance or a situation in your life, it's because your hope isn't as much in heaven as you would like it to be. And we need to be constantly reminded, just like even the song this morning, be reminded of what Christ did for us and how He's ascended up into heaven. Yes, He died, but He rose again. That's why we talk about it over and over, because that's where our hope is. That ought to give us a great reason to love, because you know as well as I do, when you start loving other people, people don't always love you back, do they? They don't always reciprocate the same way that you're trying to demonstrate love for them. But our example in Scripture is Jesus Christ who loved the world so much that He laid down His life for our sin. The world didn't all love Him back, did they? But I'm so thankful that He gave us His love, unconditional love. And that ought to be the same kind of love that we give to others as well. This church had faith, it had, it had love, it had hope. Paul then in, in verse 6, as he's speaking even more about this hope, he says, This hope which is come unto you as it is in all the world, and bringeth forth fruit as it doth also in you since the day ye heard of it, and knew the grace of God in truth. Their hope was in the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, and that gospel, that hope in the gospel was come to them as it was in all the world. I am thankful for the universality of the gospel. What I mean by that is God's salvation is available to every person who believes on Him. And if you're here this morning and you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, there is nobody too far that God cannot save. It's available to the whole world. Jesus died for the whole world, and it's available to the whole world. And we should accept that gift of salvation ourselves because it was made to the world. Not only should we accept it, we ought to be willing to then take it, right? Be willing to share it with the world because Christ gave it to the world, so we need to get it to those who have never heard. We're going to have opportunities even this year to share the gospel with people in our community that have never heard. I mean, you, you can live in Houston, Texas, and have never heard the gospel? Yes, because I talk to people every week who have never heard the gospel that live, some of them, within just a few blocks of our church. They've heard of the Astros, <laughs> but they haven't heard of the true gospel. Often they're confused by religion and by church and by people, but they've never taken God's Word. They've never had anybody open it and show them what it really means to be saved. I'm thankful that the gospel is available for all, but he also speaks about the practicality of the gospel here. He talks about how it brings forth fruit. If the gospel is real in your life, if God has done a work in you, then it should be evidence. There should be some fruit that shows up. So the gospel is available to all and the gospel actually works. And when it works, you can see it in the fruit of the people that are living for God. We see a great description of this church. But then as we continue reading on, he talks about in verse 7 how Epaphras, he 
passed on some messages to them, as you also learned of Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is for you a faithful minister of Christ. Verse 8, who also declared unto us your love in the Spirit. Paul understood what the church at Colossae was doing because Epaphras had gone and ministered to them, and then he had come back to Paul to share with them how they were doing. So we see this description of the great church in verses 3 through 8. Number 2, in verse 9, we see Paul's desire for this great church. What was his desire? Verse 9, for this cause, we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of His will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Paul's desire for this church was that they would be filled with the knowledge of God's Word. To be filled is, this word to fill is, is full to completeness. There's no room for anything else. It has been completely filled up. And he says to be filled with the knowledge of God's will. That's the knowledge that comes through experience, that comes through a personal relationship. To fully know in every possible way and understand and experience God's will in your life. How do we know that? Well, we only know that ultimately through the Word of God. God reveals Himself most clearly to us through His Word. Yes, He reveals Himself through creation. We can see His handiwork around us. Yes, He guides and directs us through His Holy Spirit, but He does that in partnership with the Word of God. The Holy Spirit would never direct you to do something that God's Word says differently. It always works together with the Word of God. And God's Holy Spirit works through the Word of God to help us to be filled with, to understand fully the knowledge of God, of who He is in a personal relationship with Him. But He also speaks about them then developing wisdom. He says, with the knowledge of His will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. This word for wisdom speaks of practical know-how, being able to take God's Word and apply it to daily life. Some people can read God's Word and I've been guilty of this at times, as I'm sure you have. Maybe you've joined us in the reading through the Bible this year. Or maybe you're doing a different Bible reading plan. That's fine. But sometimes we can be guilty of reading God's Word and saying, well, there were a lot of words on that page. I, even, I was a really good Christian today and I read a lot of pages. I read a lot of chapters. But I didn't fully understand what it was saying. Now, there's always more to understand. We understand that. But as he speaks of this, of having wisdom, that's being able to take what God's Word says and apply it practically to our lives. Because God's Word without practical application doesn't really help us that much, does it? But if we can take God's Word and if we can live it out in, in wisdom, be able to take the truth and follow through with it and do what it says and actually understand it in a way that changes our lives, that's wonderful. That's fantastic. He says in wisdom and spiritual understanding. See, God gives wisdom if we'll ask Him for it. James 1 says, If any of you lack wisdom, let him 
ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and abradeth not. It means he doesn't ever hold back and it shall be given him. He speaks then to develop their spiritual understanding. This is clear analysis and decision making based on the Word of God. Spiritual understanding. This is not just a spiritual knowledge that doesn't really seem to do anybody any good, but rather the ability to take that spiritual knowledge and make a clear analysis of a situation. We're facing lots of things in our world today that we need some clear analysis on, don't we? And there are plenty of talking heads on television that would like to give you their analysis. However, generally, it's not very clear, is it? (laughs) We need, just like every other time in history, but as much as, if not more, clear understanding and analysis of the world that we live in. And the only way that we can truly have that is by understanding the truth of God's Word and knowing God's will. The better we know God's truth, the better we walk in that truth and apply it in wisdom to our daily lives, the better we will be able to clearly analyze and discern what needs to be done in our daily lives, for our families, in our places of work and service, in our responsibilities as citizens, in our interactions with people around us, our neighbors and strangers that we meet. Spiritual understanding. In our day of relativism, shifting morals and shifting political positions, may we be a church, may we be individuals that are founded upon and continue to walk in the truth of God's Word. Read it, study it, meditate on it, and then live it. The greatest commitment you could make this year, I already said it once, I'll say it again, would to say, God, if your word says it, I'll do it. I'll obey you. I'll do what you want me to do. I will commit to apply it to my own life and live it faithfully. Would you make that commitment to God today? I hope you will. I hope you will. So we see his description of this great church. We see his desire for this church. But then he gets a little more specific as he gives some direction to this church. And that's where we'll finish out this morning. Verses 10 through 12. The direction to the great church, he says, That ye might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. Strengthened with all might according to His glorious power unto all patience and longsuffering with joyfulness. And verse 12 says, Giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. Now, I'm not going to try to preach to you all of the whole year's sermons in one sermon here because there's so much that we could unpack from these four different areas. And that's what we'll try to do as we go through this year, as we hear God's Word together. Notice His direction to the church. He begins with a very simple directive. He says that ye might walk worthy. What does it mean to 
walk worthy. This means to live a life that is worthy of God. Worthy means of equal weight or measure. Believers are to be equal to the Lord's standards. The Bible says it this way, Be ye holy as I am holy. The goal of every believer should be to please the Lord in everything we do. That means when I'm at church, I should please the Lord. I hope you came today to please the Lord. Most people at least put on their happy church face and pretend to please the Lord. But I hope that's really a heart's desire for you this morning to please the Lord when you're at church. But as I've met a number of people over the years, and you have too, and if you're like me, you've looked in the mirror a few times, and you realize the person that you were at church is not always the person you are at home. See, we are to walk worthy of the Lord, not just when we're at church, but even when we're at home. When you're at home, please the Lord. When you're at work, please the Lord. When you're with your friends, please the Lord. When you're with your neighbors, please the Lord. This can be a hard, for, hard thing for some. When you are alone, please the Lord. Sometimes we think, well, nobody really sees what I'm doing. God sees. Do you remember Joseph in the Old Testament? And he was tempted to sin by Potiphar's wife. She kind of said that to him. Nobody will know. He said, God knows. God knows. This command to walk worthy is not a... It's simple to hear. It's hard to live. Because this cuts at every single area of our life. Sometimes we say, well, I've kind of got my discipline together. I'm at least exercising more than I should. That's great. You're exercising discipline in that area. Are you exercising discipline spiritually with what you look at, what you think about, what you say? Well, I'm exercising discipline in we finally got up and we came to church this morning. That's a good step. But don't let it stop there. Don't say, well, I had that spiritual growth spurt and now I'll just kind of rest a while. No, God wants us to walk worthy in every area of our lives. Folks, I, I, I might as well be sitting out here with you and hearing this this morning. I'm preaching to myself as much as I am to any person here. To walk worthy. Walk worthy. Walk worthy to live in such a way that is of equal weight to God's standards. To live as He would call us to live. Now the easy thing would be to say, well, nobody else is doing that. Kind of true. There aren't many. But I'm thankful for some who are still staying faithful and walking worthy. When we act like that, then we get really frustrated because it feels very lonely. It's not lonely when you have the Lord. And it's not lonely when you have brothers and sisters in Christ who are trying to encourage you and help you walk by faith. Don't get into that place in your heart and your life. Well, nobody cares. I'm all alone. We care. That's why we're here. This isn't just fun and games. This is because God is real and God can change your life and His Word has the answers. And if we'll live by faith and walk by faith, it'll make the difference in every single area of your life. It's worth it to walk worthy of the Lord. It's not just uh, extra problems, extra struggles, more stuff I got to put on. 
got to dress a certain way, talk a certain way, got to be a certain way. No, I have an opportunity to walk in close fellowship with my Savior, Jesus Christ. My hope is in heaven. My love is toward others and my faith is in Christ. And I'm ready to walk worthy for Him each and every day because of what He's done for me. Others may not like it. People may make fun of me. People may think I'm crazy, but I'm okay because I'm with Jesus and I'm walking with Him. I'm walking worthy of Him. Somebody that walks worthy of Him, you'll see it evidenced in four distinct ways in their life. And it's these four areas that as we go through this year, I want to spend some time preaching in these various subjects. The first one is this. He says, being fruitful in every good work. Man, he just had to go and put that word every in there, right? That's where we get the idea. We don't get to pick and choose like, all right, this is going to be the stuff I give to God and then all this over here, that's my stuff. I'll do what I want to do. No, he says in every good work, every good work that we ought to bear fruit. In other words, there ought to be physical evidence or real change in our lives, in our actions, in what we say and what we do, how we spend our time, how we spend our money, who our friends are, what our priorities are. There ought to be real, visible change, both externally and internally, because we are walking worthy of the Lord. As we are diligent to make disciples, as we evangelize, as we edify, as we give, as we go, as we're obedient to the Word, that is bearing fruit. If you come in next Sunday and you're dressed like a tree and you've got some oranges hanging off of you, we'll know that you're, you say, Pastor, I'm just, I'm just trying to bear fruit. No, that's not what it's talking about, is it? It's real change. If God's Word is truly his word. And if God is truly alive, then you cannot help but be changed when you come into real contact with his word. Sort of like if this afternoon we went down to the go-kart track and you and I got in a couple cars and we start racing around the track and I look at you and I say, I'm not going to let them win. I'm going to stop them no matter what. And you're turning that corner and all of a sudden I swerve and smash into your car. And you go skidding around, spin around, get stuck under the rail. And I pass you and I win and I just rub it in your face. I'm so excited. What happened? You and I collided and your course changed because of it. Now, probably knowing some of you, that's not how it would happen at all. In fact, I'd be the one just driving nicely along, minding my own business. Out of nowhere, just come and hit me. What would happen? My life would be changed because of it. My course would not, no longer be the same. If you can live in a relationship with God and not be changed, I want to tell you, it's not a real relationship with God. If you can read your Bible and not be changed by what you're reading, then you're not really reading it. You may be seeing words pass by on the page. You may be saying the sentences out loud. But if you're not allowing it to change you, there's no fruit. You're not walking worthy. And I, I, I think about this in my own life because I'm prone to this, as are you, as is everybody, as therefore our church could be. 
that we can say it right, we can look right, we can pretend we're doing everything right. But if we're not constantly being changed so that we're bearing fruit, physical evidence of God's work in our hearts and lives, then we're not truly walking worthy of the Lord. First evidence, bearing fruit. The second evidence, increasing in the knowledge of God. He says, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. This really goes hand in hand with the previous idea of being fruitful. If we're being fruitful in every good work, living a life that is obedient to God's word, we will grow in our personal relational experience, our knowledge of God. Doesn't just mean knowing more. You say, well, how do you know that? The word is knowledge. Yes. I, I think we talked about this last Sunday. In the New Testament, there are two different words translated knowledge. Two different Greek words. If you know Spanish, there's two different words that we translate into English to know, but it's two different ideas. One is to know about something, to have sort of a head knowledge. The other is to know by experience, to not just have head knowledge, but it's changed everything about me. It's like a, a relational kind of knowledge. Like you may say, I know, and you may fill in the blank with a particular neighborhood where somebody lives. Like in Houston, we, we often say streets. Kirkendall and Ella, or we live at, uh, you know, Cross Timbers and Shepherd, or I live at uh, Tidwell and Yale. We might say things like that, and people kind of have an idea. I live in Spring, or I live in Umbo, or I live in Pasadena, or I live in Tomball, Texas, right? Wherever it is that you live, you often will say that to other people. And then, and there's certain people that say, oh yeah, I know, I know Tomball, or I know Spring, that just means you kind of know where it's at. But then you meet those people and say, oh, I know. Yeah, there's this little place right there on the corner. I love to go there. That's the best breakfast place. Or if you ask me, yes, there's a place right over here on Shepherd. That's where I go for breakfast. And I've got my hamburger spot. I've got my taco spot. And I've got my coffee spot. i got all my places. I know the area. When Larry Boyd and I were first getting to know each other, we were having fun because we were helping him build his house and fix it up and do all that stuff. And so we made lots and lots of trips to Home Depot and Lowe's. And we'd be driving up 45 or driving out I-10. We had to go to different places because, you know, after Harvey, not every store had everything. And so you're just finding stuff where you could. So we'd drive in, and I'd say, oh, I re Larry, do you remember when that was just cows out there? Now, look, it's all houses or it's all, he's, oh, yeah, I remember that. And then the, oh, do you remember? Yeah, I remember that. Do you remember you remember when Greens Point Mall was really a great place to go? You're like, oh, yeah, I, I remember. We used to go up there. Do you remember this? Do you remember? See, some of you are laughing because you know. <laughs> Others of you go, I, I don't know. Right? You know, and then you know. This is that second one, having a personal, intimate, understanding relationship with God. Somebody who's walking worthy. Is growing, increasing in the knowledge of God. Two more things, then we're done. Increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all might. 
Just like last week, talking about being strong in the Lord. This is a passive idea. This is something that God does to us. He strengthens us. It's not our might. It's not our power. It's His. This strength is something that comes from God. The word translated power is where we get our word for dynamite. And the word that's translated might is only used to speak of the power of God. It is overcoming power. Nothing can stand against God's might. And he says here, if you're walking worthy, you'll be strengthened with the power of God in all might. Overcoming power. So that, yes, you're going to face some difficult things. Yes, you're going to face some hard things this year. Possibly. Well, I don't know. But if you're walking worthy, God will give you the strength. But even when people don't do like they should, even when others are unkind, even when you face physical weakness, financial struggle, God can give you the strength to get through because nothing can stand against His might. And then finally, He says, giving thanks. Giving thanks. I know I skipped over a couple subpoints there. We see God's strength leads to patience. God's strength gives joy while suffering. I've had more time go into a little more detail there, but I want to finish this. Giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. Somebody that's walking worthy is somebody that can give thanks. If you've lost your thanksgiving, it's probably because you're not walking worthy. You're not experiencing what it means to walk in a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. I'm not saying you're unsaved. I'm just saying you may have lost the joy of the Lord in your life. We need to return back to that place. Somebody said, well, I've lost God. Somebody else said, well, He's right where you left Him. God didn't move away. You may have. As you begin this year, may we give thanks to the Lord for all that He's done. And look forward to walk by faith, to walk worthy, to say, God, if you tell me in your word to do it, I'm going to do it. Because it's the right thing to do. And because, even more importantly, of all that you've done for me. Because you're not going to be able to do it in your own strength. He says it right there. He's not saying, be strengthened, like go out and work out. No, he's saying, allow God to fill you with His strength. It's only by the grace of God that we're here this morning. It's only by the grace of God that we can take in that breath. It's only by the grace of God that we have salvation by grace through faith. It's only by the grace of God that we can have the hope of heaven. I hope you know that this morning. Just a moment to... Piano is going to come and play a song for us. We're going to bow our heads and close our eyes. I can't force you to do anything during this time. This is between you and God, but this is a time that we try to set apart as part of our worship service to humble ourselves before the Lord in response. I heard some good preaching. Uh, that I listened to this week on, on what it means to worship God. And ultimately, worship ends in a response. Got to do something. So worship doesn't only happen here in this room. It also happens when we leave this room. 
when we go and obey it. But it begins with that humble response to say, God, you've shown me something in my heart this morning that needs to change. I'll change it. God, I want to worship. I want to give you the worth that you're due. You, you deserve this. I'm going to submit to you this morning. If you're here this morning and if you never trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, would you submit your life to Him, worship Him, ask Him to forgive you of your sin and trust Him as your Savior today? He'll do it. If you're saved this morning, would you walk worthy of the Lord? I'm not asking you to be perfect because I'd be asking you to do something that I'm not. But would you begin to take those steps towards the Lord this year to follow Him? Let's all stand together if you're able. Heads bowed and eyes closed. God, help us to walk worthy of you. There's somebody here this morning that needs to respond. May they come now at this time of invitation and respond and worship to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As the piano plays, we'll just keep our eyes closed so that people can respond in private. It's between you and the Lord this morning. If I can pray with you, if I can encourage you, if you'd like to take the next spiritual step of trusting Christ as Savior, being baptized, or maybe you need to join the church, or some other thing that you'd like to do, I'd love to visit with you. I can pray with you here and speak with you. We're glad that you're here today.